0: Oh, Canada. How does the next line go?
1: No idea. I think that's all there is to it.
0: Go, Canada, go. Oh,
1: Canada, go, Canada. That's what they should change it to. They've awoken a a sleeping giant. They have, finally. With their tyranny.
0: Finally. It's not, well, yeah, it's the first biggest, well, it's the biggest expression in North America so far against it. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. And it comes from Canada, where Canada, that have been pretty much, especially and especially Ontario, the Eastern Province, that uh, has been really under the, the thumb, you know. Um, yeah. So I'm not surprised that it came from there. I mean, it's pretty.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting that it took a specific thing to trigger it, namely Trudeau government saying, truckers, you're not going on the roads unless to get you're vaccinated. It. You're yeah. vaccinated, and your passes are up to date. So that would, I think the scenario they were facing was something like 38,000 people would no longer be, have the papers necessary to work
2: mm-hmm.
0: by mid January. And that was the spark, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, initially, it was going to be a roadblock, like on cross border points between the US and Canada. But maybe it just morphed as it went along. Um, mm-hmm. Then by last Sunday, a plan was in action. And it's just been incredible, incredible. Like they t- crossed the whole of Canada. It began in Vancouver. Mm. <clears throat> and they, you crossed the Trans Canadian Highway going all the whole way across the continent basically to Ottawa. And then it's fed in further convoys coming from places like Edmonton and then up from the US as well. On the other side, on the east, far eastern side of Canada, uh, convoys joining them from Nova Scotia, mm-hmm. um, Montreal, mm. Quebec. Super, just. Super impressive. The government, it's interesting. Not
1: they, really, not really uh, reported on. Oh, no.
0: Nothing. Reported nothing on very little. France, very little in the Anglosphere media, Anglophone media. Um, I, th- why? Why? Yeah, of course. It's yeah. bizarre.
1: It's actually really bizarre. Because I'll throw up that, that uh, JPEG uh, I sent to Scotty, the capture one. Um, it's just a. this is Canadian. Oh, no, this is time, so, so time. This is today. And so this Canadian trucker business has been going on <clears throat> for, well, the plan was developed a long time, quite a few weeks ago, I think obviously. And then, but it's been on the road for almost a week now, I think, yeah. or just short of a week. Converging on Ottawa. Yeah. 50,000 trucks, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people, obviously, you know, along the route. And then in, yeah. in, in Ottawa, arrived uh, more or less yesterday, last night, today, um, but this is the first. This is just from today, as you can see, uh, 30th of January. Uh, and this is the Sunday Times. And this is one of the few. There was one other article yesterday in the BBC. But as far as the Western media, the whole week that this is all going on, yeah, um, nothing. Yeah, And the BBC yesterday and the Times in the UK today. And that's more or less all you can really find uh, across the mainstream media in terms of reporting on this. And, of course, you notice the little, um, dig there, uh, a little dig there, a little... Distortion in the in the headline were the Freedom Convoy of anti-vax truck
0: truckers. And of course, yeah. it's
1: much more than anti-vax, but they prefer to that, you know, present that The headline's it that not way. bad.
0: I've heard far worse from Canadian media. Yeah, for sure, extremists, uh, fascists. So here it's saying Trudeau forced into hiding. Yeah, and that's that's the main true. Thing. As quote unquote in quotes Freedom Convoy of anti-vax truckers rolls into town. Obviously, anti-vax is a dig, but. Uh,
1: Well, well, the the interesting, the the reason I'm I'm highlighting this is is the fact that you have um, the prime minister of a major Western nation, of one of the Five Eyes, right, the elite of the elite of the Western nations, uh, Canada, Justin Trudeau, has has gone into hiding, yeah, like so, like a like a for reasons of national security. Well,
0: really, like a you know, I mean, like a fleeing dictator in a country undergoing regime change. Pretty much, think Kiev, twenty fourteen,
1: or or any any number of examples you give over the years. Yeah, of people who, uh, in the face of you know leaders of countries and in the face of popular revolt, the uh, especially of Afghanistan last usual, August, usually tyrants of some description yeah. are the ones who um, who flee. I mean, it's not always the case. It depends on the nature of the of the of the uprising, let's say, or the protests, But <clears throat> it does seem to be a bit of a hallmark of you know, corrupt or tyrannical governments that in response to popular anger at their policies, instead of actually staying on uh, at the helm of the ship and addressing them and meeting the people, they basically run away. Yeah. Uh, the implication being that they have to run away because their lives are in danger. Yeah. And why are their lives are in danger? I mean, well, you can have a population that have all, you know, hopped up on some kind of drugs or something and they're just out for blood and they want to kill somebody, anybody. And, and you know, you could justify getting off scene in, in that situation. But this is Canada we're talking about. Yeah. This is, uh, you know, land of bacon and and uh, <coughs> maple syrup and stuff, and and, and, and very and, geese. and very polite Canadians. Yeah, you know. So if you've whipped up Canadians to the point that you actually feel as a, as a as a leader of the country that your life is in danger from these people, it probably means you've done something wrong, rather than these people are a bunch of, you know. Well, extremist As he says, he,
0: he did issue it, address the issue once uh, in a press conference. <coughs> these are, you know, what do you call them? Extremists? A fringe, fringe minority yeah. with unacceptable views. At least yeah. he scaled down from what he had previously said about protest against mandates what, a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. when he said these people are basically racist and misogynist. Right.
1: right. Yeah, well, when, you, when you, I mean, that's a desperate attempt and it was, I think it was, it should it was should have been seen and was seen by anybody with any sense seen for what it was at the time. When like a few weeks ago, like you said, he called people who didn't agree with government policies misogynist and racist. That's a ridiculous thing to say. Yeah. It's not simply not true, and it's an attempt to divide the population or to uh, to alienate the section of the population that aren't in favour of your policies. You know, and uh, I mean, it's one. I mean, you shouldn't try to alienate them. I mean, the truth should be able to. The truth should be your your should be, uh, you know, your weapon. Let's say for anybody in that situation, if you think, if Trudeau thinks that these people are racist and misogynist, then surely that will out itself, and everybody else will see that. I mean, it's hard if you know if you're if you're uh, uh, an ardent racist and misogynist, it's hard to uh, to cover that up or for that not to be apparent to everybody else with any sense. But that apparently isn't the case. He's just calling them names. He's trying to divide the population, and then whenever. They basically march on the capital. He flees like a tin-potted killer, uh from some yeah. poor country. And, 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 and again, it gets back to what I'm saying. The media doesn't report on it. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty big story, except if the media doesn't report on it, then it's not a big
0: story, right? Yeah, well, same goes for so many massive protests across the West these last two years. <clears throat> London England had some phenomenal turnouts, a million plus, arguably as big as, in fact, the massive anti-war one. mm mm-hmm in February 2003, mm-hmm. before the Iraq war, you know, 2 million plus people. That was reported on. You couldn't ignore it back right. then. But they have practiced now these last two years just not reporting right. on signs of protest. Now, they probably explained that to themselves as, well, this is a dangerous moment politically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they're aware. I don't think it's an unconscious thing on their part. I think they're the thinking process, if it's not explicitly stated from... Media company owner down to editor level, down to journalist level, it's understood instinctively if nothing else that this is a politically sensitive moment. If we show the scale, we we will show the people, readership, listeners, watchers, that there is a mass behind it Mm -hmm. that will sway them politically. And influence their view politically of what's going on in the country. Right. So they they are instinctively defending. So stuff that was always
1: done in the past by governments undercover, let's say, uh, in the sense of uh, manipulating, or let's say, maybe they wouldn't say manipulating, um, directing public opinion uh, in a certain direction that the government thinks is positive for the people and the country and stability and all that kind of stuff. All that stuff in the past happened largely beyond the purview of, of the average person. But these days it's, it's very much in your face and people, more and more people are aware of the fact that, and the people doing it, the government and the media, are much more open about the fact that they're doing it. I mean, they don't say it explicitly, but it comes out through the media and the way that the media... You know, so it's much more blatant today. Uh, we have much more blatant evidence or uh, clear evidence that governments and, and the media do get together essentially to direct public opinion attitudes beliefs in a certain direction uh, and they've always done that but now they're doing it maybe it's the reason in the past they were doing it, and maybe the way they did it in the past was for positive reasons but or generally positive reasons but the reason it's becoming more obvious today is because they're doing it for what are pretty clearly not positive reasons or negative reasons or malicious reasons yeah you know um and when you start to do that, I suppose you have to show your hand a little bit more. You know what I mean? And it does appear in the public discourse or to, in the uh, to for, for the public to public attention. Uh, it it appears much more than if it's something that's benign or, or 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 even positive. You know, like in the past, you know, where government would have make decisions, the media would send certain messages, and the messages would be positive. But um, today, the messages that they're using to direct public opinion and beliefs are tend to be quite negative, like calling people misogynist and and racist, right? Yeah. And that brings it out, you know, that's that kind of goes, hang on a I minute, mean, what's going on here, you know? And I suppose the fact that they're doing it for malicious reasons reasons, that it's not uh a good reason. I mean labelling an entire section of the population racist and misogynist for a prime minister to do that is not a positive thing. It's not a good thing for the country. You can't spin it in a positive way.
0: Yeah. And they're they're undermining themselves. in the the process. In In a way, you don't need any kind of their own effort to influence by not showing, if that's the case, or when they do make a statement on it, a kind of oblique statement. For example, before the announcement yesterday Mm -hmm. that Trudeau had, quote, gone into hiding Mm. for his safety, right? Right. Was the announcement first of maybe Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday, that Trudeau had tested positive, or someone in his In his vicinity, I tested positive for COVID. Therefore, he was going to retire and go home and self-isolate for five days, i.e. over this weekend. Right. So, and you see, okay, so let's say that's true, right? And that just happens to be the case. But they (laughs) undermine it 24, 36 hours later by saying, actually, you won't find him at home. He's gone into hiding. And that's all I said. Well, that's, that's enough. People, people who are already thinking about, who already worked up about it, don't need to hear any more. There's nothing more you can influence them one way or the other. Yeah. They interpret that as he's afraid of us. He's on the run. Yeah. And, and that he won't listen to us. He won't be there to receive our complaints and therefore to pass comment on them one way or another. Mm-hmm. There will be no political engagement. You can all come to Ottawa. We're not here to talk to you. Yeah. So you can come here and freeze it out for minus 30 degrees we don't if you care, want. Yeah. We, don't, we don't care.
1: And that, does that imply nothing's going to be done in terms of meeting protesters? Well, that's the question. As well.
0: Walk us forward. I've, I've seen a few snippets of interviews. In, in fairness, between Canadian alternative media slash new media, you know, of left and right persuasion, whatever. People get down on the streets and actually still stick a microphone mm-hmm. in front of people's faces. Between them and local media corporations in Canada, they did do a lot of on the spot. What's your reasons? What's your thinking? What do you think is going to happen? What do you intend to do? And a lot of them are saying, well, they arrive in these trucks. The trucks aren't empty. They bought like two weeks of supplies. With oh, them. Yeah? They're going to okay. live in the trucks. Right. So they intend to stick it out. Right. So it's a, a, a bunch siege. bunch of <laughs> it's a siege. I don't know. I heard last night that um, in response, police Agreed. in Ottawa shut down a number of key entry points to the city. Mm. Is that too late? I'm not sure. I'm I don't know. We, there's very little information in any official kind of surveillance. Just the police, for example, they would usually give updates on a large event mm. like this saying, look, don't try to come down this well, way or they have, that way because they're closed off. Well, they did say that. They about, did a bit. Well,
1: they put out a message saying, telling Ottawans to not come into the city center uh, for your security. Right. Everything's for security, right? Of course. <laughs> but to throw up the just as as an aside, not even an, kind of an aside. Uh, the Guardian article I just sent there, Scotty. Um, you think the same? Uh, the same seems to be going wow. on in uh, in New Zealand. Uh, just an up, a quick update. Just as an aside. Won't dwell in New Zealand or anything like that. But just send a horsey face herself.
0: Joe, our Ardern. Ardern. Mm,
1: look at her. She's really concerned. Um... This is a woman. Uh, people probably know who she is listening to this, but she's this kind of... Um, is she, though? Uh, is she... Oh, <laughs> 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 why, oh, she may be a horse. I don't know. She may be... But I, I wouldn't say she's... No, she's not a man, but I, I'll leave it open about whether or not she's actually got some equine equine genetics in her. But um, she uh, she positive, tested positive. I mean, right. she, she has come under fire uh, in a less aggressive, overt kind of way, but definitely I have a brother who lives in New Zealand and he's saying yeah, the people down here are not happy about what's going on because right. of course New Zealand is isolated down there in Middle Earth uh, with all the hobbits and stuff and it's like a separate part of a separate planet in a certain sense. Uh, everybody goes there to get away from stuff, uh, including from COVID and uh, viruses and stuff and stay away from, you know, modern crass civilization. So everything that happens at least from a Pandemic or viral point of view happens later in new zealand right it 's the last last outpost um, so it 's basically late and everything and omicron is only hadn 't appeared there until just a few weeks ago, uh, or not even they had the first they had nothing and then maybe a week ago or two weeks ago they had the first case and the first case of omicron, which is Omicold, which is a nothing burger
0: uh, it 's devastating the population
1: well nine, they have nine cases uh-huh. of Omicold, which is you mean nine thousand? Right? No, nine. Just nine. Nine. Nine out of five oh, million people, yeah.
0: Okay, and they're all
1: they're all fine, yeah. But anyway, so so they started imposing this. New, they said, "No, this isn't lockdown. It's a kind of like traffic light kind of system type thing, which basically is lockdown, right? They have rules that are similar to types of lockdown rules, and depending on
0: where you are in the country, because the nine it's individual specific It's targeted lockdown. If you are flagged as being in the vicinity of Right. But Go there's home. also restrictions. in Go home for 24 days? So. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's also, it's it's kind of, fun. I mean, I, I find it hard not to laugh at some of the stuff at this point, you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, uh, there's also general rules about the numbers of people gathering together and wearing masks and blah, 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 right? So it's more of the lockdown stuff and people in New Zealand, at least... It's mid there, right? Exactly, yeah. Um, so it's ridiculous, yeah. Midsummer, mm-hmm. a cold, it's it's nothing, right? And uh, the government is imposing has has imposed these restrictions. And within a couple of weeks, obviously, her reading the the feels or the sentiment among the population was that I need to get COVID and get off site for her. So she basically um, is isolated. She's gone off scene for however long it takes for her for her to decide or her advisors yeah. to decide what to actually do about the situation because there aren't mass protests or there are, there have been protests in New Zealand and. If they don't do something about, if they, about the measures they've imposed so far, I think people will, uh, there could be
0: yeah. some, of course, some uprisings this, this in New Zealand. This speaks to the geopolitical interest in why, the, the question to why there's not enough, hardly any media footage right. of what's happening in Canada. right. It's a containment issue. Across those five eyes, across the sphere. Britain, they have in mind the United States, obviously, yeah New Zealand, Australia and others, you know, neighbours or politically aligned countries, they have to contain the images, just the images, never mind putting a negative or positive spin on it. Mm-hmm. Just don't let people become aware that this is happening Yeah, and therefore, but now it's not working because there is a convoy that has started in Australia. Um, the in Australia. I, maybe, it, maybe, it'll feel like maybe it won't have anywhere within the same... Uptake, as we saw in Canada, for whatever reason, the conditions in Canada were go for yeah. mass mass support. It's
1: there's also stuff in in Holland, truckers in Holland and in, in Italy that. as well. You know, well, there's hard. a
0: campaign underway to get truckers to converge in Brussels, right? From across Europe, right? Um, don't know where that's at right now. The, the only reason we know about the scale and the current status of the Canadian one is because of social media. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for that sure. There's too much footage taken by people themselves and uploaded. Yeah, there's a there's a picture
1: of Trudeau uh, in, in in his bunker basically uh, that, I, that I got from an uh, inside source. Yeah, throw sort of up first guy just so you can see. That's not Trudeau. It is. That's him. Uh, that's him outside the bunker. He's uh, he's planning uh, <laughs> planning well, how he's going to take down all those misogynists and racists um, in their trucks.
3: Um, oh, that's going to trigger someone. Good. Anyway. He's, he's going to
0: <coughs> unleash the, the pansy
1: divisions. The the panzer, pansy divisions. Yes, multiple pansy divisions. Anyway, uh, that it, was that was just gratuitous. So we'll carry on.
0: Gratuitous, Joseph. Yeah. So yeah, is it, It's in the space of ten days. Boris Johnson yeah. went into isolation to avoid a political scandal right. over the amount of shit-faced partying he did throughout mm-hmm. lockdowns. Then Trudeau did it. They basically admitted to get away from Ottawa because of the current protest. And now New Zealand. Mm. Yeah. Three in the space of ten days. It's um It's a bit shameless, isn't it? It is. Like and it's it's obvious, like I say, it's not I don't know how many people is it obviously. The interesting thing about Canada is this this changes the dynamic a bit. We've been basically calculating roughly ten percent of people fundamentally changed their worldview as a result of mm-hmm. uh, the whole experience of the last two years. Mm-hmm. And we sort of, it seems to be stuck there for now in terms of the people who are actually, internally at least, go, no, this is too much, too far, stop, you know. But Canada, that was more than 10% of the population. Now, I'm not talking about the numbers that actually mobilized and moved across the country, but the sheer numbers of people along the routes as yeah, well. Yeah. The share say- numbers in Ottawa today. Do we want to show some footage of yeah, yeah. this is from yesterday. I, I it's currently ten AM in Ottawa, so it's probably too early to have any footage. Um of downtown Ottawa this Sunday, but this is the state situation in the city yesterday. I'm sure people have seen lots of this, so we won't we won't play too much, but I think it's drone footage. Um Around Parliament Square and uh, the two main roads leading into it. We
2: will not mm. Right. We don't want that awesome, awesome
1: beat. Mm.
0: Okay, that's enough. Is it a revolution? Eh, we'll see, but it's certainly a massive protest. Um, now, I I can't imagine that the government in Canada just spent the last week watching this and not doing anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure they have all kinds of things in mm-hmm. action. A part of which is information containment, almost certainly. Um, but there's probably more to it than that. I mean that convoy was massive. It was seventy kilometres long by the time at the end. So I doubt they're all getting in there. I heard that they were going to try and convince people, oh, it's a safety hazard. Please don't come into the city. Go over here and park at the airport, mm-hmm. which is obviously outside the city, way outside. Um so if anyone was going there with the intention of besieging the city the government I'd, causing a gridlock that forces elites government types in Ottawa to change. They're probably already a couple of moves ahead of you on that. Well, the government's a
1: problem. Like, I mean, yeah, they can wait it out and they can have a kind of siege or whatever and, and try and just sit there in their trucks for forever and have protests and, and, you know, force the government to try and back down or change their policies, or whatever. But the government has a problem in that sense where if they were to back down on, on their restrictive COVID policies uh, in the face of that kind of mobilization, well, let's it sends a signal that this is how it's done, right? When mm-hmm. the government steps too far or despite their justifications for, for why they're imposing these restrictive, you know, fairly tyrannical uh, policies on the population, they claim it's for public health or whatever. But if the people, if enough truckers get together, for example, and people protest outside the parliament, not Ottawa, and stay there for a couple of weeks and they back down, well, then that's how it's done. Any kind of government ever does anything that the people don't like this is how you, you, you fix yeah. it. So
0: they have uh, back down on the trucker mandate. Right. That apparently like a week ago or more, but at this point it's, it's snowballing into its own thing. Their point now is very simply end all the mandates, revert yeah. back to the status quo before yeah. all of this. The old normal. All mandates because you, you got
1: what, to, I, what I don't understand, that's happened in different places, right? Uh, Austria, for example, uh-oh. has backed down on their vaccine. Yes.
0: On the mandatory vaccines for everyone.
1: Yes. Right. So, of course, they have a narrative for it. But in the case of Canada, um, how does the government justify that? If they say it's absolutely necessary that all truckers, from a public health point of view, all truckers get vaccinated or something bad will happen, and then they back down on it, what does that say about the policy in the first place? What does, what does that say about their statement that this is absolutely necessary in the first place when they very quickly back down in the face of public pressure? I mean, it can't be that serious. It can't have been, yeah. They can't have been genuinely concerned about uh, some kind of viral spread or public health emergency due to truckers not being vaccinated if they just go, okay, we won't ask you to get vaccinated. Do you know what I mean? And that itself, <clears throat> when people see that that's happening, it starts to sow reasonable and justified doubt in a lot of other government statements yeah. about the dire need for this or the public health emergency, et cetera, you know?
3: We actually have some interesting... Uh comments from (coughs) viewers listeners yep uh traveler ryan says multiple convoys in australia are converging on canberra from different directions expected to arrive tomorrow brett in finland says uh uh my kid's mother here in finland is constantly streaming stuff from canada this weekend saying things like this is a crucial moment in history (laughs) and then he also said that uh there's a group in finland that wants to make their own convoy yeah so uh yeah
1: yeah it's it's um it's good this is kind of people power unfortunately it took two two years to uh, although you have to give people some time right to acclimatize to the or to get a read on the situation and understand yeah. that it's that this is a government <coughs> and to, government to, going too far basically to
0: acquire the conviction and the courage as people have been memeing all week long, courage is, is contagious. Mm-hmm. Um, and when it happens, it's also very liberating. If, even if people just go home and nothing fundamentally changes, the encouragement you get from following something that up till now has terrified you, yeah. the fear of stepping out and being hit on the head you know, by the government's hammer, right. will have changed your entire make up yeah. completely because now you, you've, you've, you've made the effort you've gone out they had people arriving in their cars by the thousands at key pit stop along the Trans-Canadian Highway which is the Arctic Desert for most of it mm-hmm. they turned up in the middle of nowhere all turned all these trucks turned their lights on and trucks 1 to 10 bought antifreeze liquid trucks 10 to 30 bought fuel trucks uh, trucks 30 to 50 bought food they, had, the, well organized, they yeah. had mobile barbecue stations mm-hmm. set up and everything. Mm-hmm. They had fireworks displays, the whole nine yards, drones set up. People, there's so much, there's so much carrying capacity when you're doing something creative yeah. and for the people. Yeah, you have more people. than enough and it's contagious and it overflows. And one thing, f- they talk to each other and, and yeah. they go, actually, yeah, I'm I'm I
1: didn't
0: pissed realize. with all the mandates. I'm yeah. not just pissed with why it affected me personally. My liberty is connected to
1: Everyone else's. Right. Yeah. And I'd say it's a majority of Canadians at this point, And I'd say it's a majority of people in most countries. Well, this is at this it's point.
0: why I was saying this is more than your 10% here. Yeah. Like. Um, yeah, yeah. Were well, you going to show something? There? Yeah. I wanted to, I wanted, can you throw that up, Scotty? This is um, status quo on, on the books in Quebec. This is the shit Canadians are putting up with. You probably saw this, Joe. This is January 24th. So Monday last week, it's reported that Quebec bans unvaccinated from buying groceries at Walmart, Costco. Mm. If you scroll down a bit, it specifies what what that means. It's legislation. Okay.
1: Yeah. They're that's banned it. from buying groceries at big box stores, including Walmart and Costco. While people wishing to access pharmacies inside those outlets will require a store escort. So yeah. some COVID marshal will come along and say, "Okay, I'm going to take you to this specific area where you can only buy pharmaceutical products, and then you have to escort or food, and I can escort you back out." Then um,
0: that's like. That's that's you remember the I mean I, I was going to say that's Gestapo like it's it's worse the Gestapo was a place an office in Nazi Germany you could report a neighbor to this is full time monitoring by co opted Gestapo people from among the general population yeah. it's insane
1: <laughs> go down to that next tweet unvaccinated parking spot in Quebec Walmart. Well, they wait to be escorted, so you, you walk into the an escort and you have to stay in your little box there.
3: Like a horse. Like a horse, yeah.
1: Uh-huh.
3: I'm seeing a pattern here. Yeah. Horses.
1: Yeah, Jacinda Adurn should be in one of those permanently. Yeah, uh, I, I, I won't go on about Jacinda Adirne. I found her interesting just because she was so wonderful and so awesome for for so long over the past number of yeah. years. She was like a, a, fain, a wonderful example, a but hero. There's a video actually. Heroine. There's sure. a video for her actually talking about. Um, maybe we should actually put that up just uh, just to uh, as an example. You know, um, just how do you spell Jacinda?
0: Jacinda. J A C. The one where she's um, yeah. From last week, yeah. Um, she was remarking on. Suicide. She was remarking on the impact the legislation would have on people. Yeah. Oh, on the on the effects on the rates of suicide in New Zealand, right? And the, the freaky thing people isn't what are. she said, but her facial expressions while she was saying it.
1: Yeah. Um. Yeah, I actually, yeah, I have it here somewhere. Um,
0: you keep looking. Yeah. Um, the state, of, state province in Canada of Nova Scotia, <laughs> this is the first kind of real kind of formal response of any government yes, agencies in Canada. Nova Scotia has banned protesters from joining, the, going along the highways in support of the truckers for their safety, of course, even though not a single person was killed during the entire convoy across the whole width of Canada. Uh,
1: yeah, this is an example. It's, it's an interesting psychological case, basically, but um, just play that and you can...
4: sad facts for New Zealand is that everyone knows someone who has taken their own life. Now, we're a, we're a small country, less than 5 million people, but last year... Over 600 people committed suicide. And, of course, that's only one marker of, of well-being. Uh, and you saw in the, in the video reel at play, one in four people in their lifetime will experience a mental health issue. Uh, and so for us, uh, this is something that affects everyone because either you have someone in your family who may be affected, a friend, uh, or you yourself. And so they say in politics, you know, everything is personal. And for me, the issue of mental health was deeply personal. Uh, mm. I've, I've lost friends, and uh, I wouldn't have to look far in my cabinet to find others who have as well. So for us, it's a moral issue. Equally, it's an economic issue as well. When you have so many people affected by mental health, of course, that affects yeah. your productivity. And, uh, <laughs> and there's good reason why of business should... Uh, be taking this on for both that moral imperative but that economic imperative um, as well. Uh, so for both reasons, 5% loss to GDP, but also the moral reason, mm-hmm. it's it's a real priority for us. Uh, Dr. Loss. Chivanda,
1: tell us a little bit so more. So something about in the background there, a smiley kind of thing when she's talking about that, which is like you'd have to get deep into the uh, psychological an- analysis of her, but you know, it's that smiliness that has made her uh, very popular yeah. in theory but over her turn over her her time two, as, as, two as, terms now. as Prime as prime Minister of New Zealand, yeah. But uh, a lot of people were onto her in a certain sense, uh, onto that uh, cutesy, kind of folksy, woman yeah. of the people, just normal woman. She brought her baby to Parliament, all yeah. that kind of stuff, you know, and it's you know, it smacks of manipulation and people were right to, to think that it, that it it was and is manipulative. I mean, it may be very natural for her to do that and it probably is but it doesn't it doesn't um uh it doesn't relate out the fact that it could be pathological, you know what I mean? Um, and power corrupts, as we know, and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. you know, um, we're at a point in history where, generally speaking, the political class, you can take, you can take it as a given that the vast majority of the political, political class, especially in the West, um, are up to no good, basically, no matter what way they look or what they say. You know, there's more than enough evidence that, that that's what's going on. You know, you can start from that as a, with, or start with that premise, basically, mm-hmm. and, and go from there. Um, it'll keep you closer to the truth then
0: yeah and they themselves articulate this kind of difference between the elites and most other people Yeah. do you want to, I have it here do you want to hear what this woman at the World Economic Forum said a week, I don't know it was a couple of weeks ago, yeah. it was uploaded a couple of weeks ago yeah yeah go ahead um, who is she now I don't know. She's speaking at the World Economic Forum event held in Dubai, I think, UAE. Yeah, she's, she's, a, she's a yeah. I think it was this month. Mm-hmm. It's been bloated this month. Mm-hmm. Let's have a listen to her.
4: At Davos a few years ago, you know, the Edelman survey showed us that the good news is the elite across the world trust each other more and more so we can come together and design and do beautiful things together. The bad news is that in every single country they were polling, the majority of people trusted that elite less. So we can lead, but...
3: Right.
0: I wonder what the rest of that is. We can lead, but we may need to start using big sticks.
1: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But it's it's okay to say that kind of stuff these days. It's uncanny.
0: It's frank. It's, um, well, they know it kind of thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so obviously the Canadian trucker stuff, it's all about COVID, government overreach, um, government at the, it's getting to the point where it's become clear, becoming more and more clear to the average person that the whole COVID narrative is a ruse for uh, government control over the population.
0: Profits and power, yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, self-interest, basically. Um and I suppose, well, last week we talked about COVID as we did most other weeks. We talked about COVID and um, <clears throat> we had a video by a guy called um, John Campbell. Mm. He's a nurse educator. He's got a lot of followers on YouTube. He's very much mainstream. In terms of he's pro vaccination and he's just spent the past two years, he had a YouTube video, YouTube channel a long time before that, talking about medical issues and all that kind of stuff. And he just went on the pandemic thing. He publishes almost daily, has published daily video updates on just the whole pandemic, all the data, talking to different people and that kind of stuff. But he's very much mainstream. And we published a video, or we showed us a short segment from his, a video from him from about a week ago or 10 days ago, where he talked about something uh, we've talked about in the past, which was uh, the actual government, official government data in the UK, for example, but this could apply to any other country, government data in the UK pertaining to the number of people who died from COVID alone. So the government different governments publish data showing uh, deaths from and deaths with COVID, i.e. deaths, where the death certificate recorded only COVID as the cause of death, and uh, COVID deaths where there were other uh, serious comorbidities and COVID contribute, contributed in some way or other. Yeah. So the bit, he was just using data that other people had used and it was published by the Office of National Statistics in the UK that showed that there were 17,000 people whose death certificates uh, recorded only uh, COVID over the past two years. So the official, and this was spun, you know, interpreted, let's say, as there were only 17,000 people as opposed to the official figure of 170,000, let's say mm-hmm. in the UK. In fact, there were only 17,000 people who had died specifically and only from COVID. Mm-hmm. So that's what he said. And we actually, that part of the video, we got a, a strike or it was taken down. Our, our video last week was taken down because that was deemed by YouTube to be medical misinformation. Uh-huh. Just simply saying, simply recording or, or playing a video, where someone else on YouTube? On YouTube was uh, saying he, he didn't get his, his, his uh, video taken down, but we got our video taken down because we included a segment of his video talking about that claim government data government data showing that seventy thousand people only had died from COVID over the past two years, as opposed to one hundred and seventy thousand people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we appealed it, and they agreed that they were a bit precipitous in taking down the video, and they removed the strike right because it's official. I'm still recovering
0: from the shock. Right. But, of a successful appeal,
1: right? In response to that, if you just go to the BBC article, the BBC jumped on it. Um, um, this is from was actually is it one day ago? Yeah, so it was yesterday. Um, they finally got round to this, and they cite him and a few others. But of course, the problem was that this data from the Office of National Statistics in the UK went kind of viral. The BBC felt that it had to uh, bring out its, as you see there in the byline, the health and disinformation reporter. Now, the BBC has, over the past couple of years, I think it's only over the pandemic time, have it actually created a job, uh, one maybe of, of several different jobs, several different, a job for several different people called disinformation reporter, where their primary right. goal is to, well, the implication is that these people have the truth. And they're going out there searching for disinformation and then they're reporting on it, right? So, this disinformation reporter, Rachel Schrerer, whatever her name is, uh, took up this claim 17,000 died of viruses factually incorrect. Um, and of course, interestingly, they use a kind of an appeal to emotion, essentially, in the reporting of it. And they have this guy, this picture at the top. Um, Matt Fowler, if you look at the third paragraph. Matt Fowler lost his dad to COVID nineteen in april twenty twenty. Uh Ian Fowler, the father, was fifty six at the time of death and lived with type two diabetes, which his son said had a minor, barely perceptible impact on his life that he controlled with his diet. But the suggestion that only seventeen thousand people in England and Wales have died of COVID uh, completely discounts the deaths of people like Ian. So anyway, um, they go on down, uh, you know, the next headline or our next uh, subheading is um, kernel of truth, that COVID myths that spread on social media often have a kernel of fact at their heart, a real statistic that gets misused, according to this disinformation reporter, uh, and then the ONS themselves, who published the data, if you just look just at the last uh, described, yeah, described the 17,000 figure as factually incorrect and highly misleading. So deaths which could not have been counted, which would not have been counted in the 17,000 f- figure include people with asthma, diabetes and a regular heartbeat or high blood pressure. All conditions with which many people can expect to live a normal lifespan. Um, and then if you just go down to how death certificates really work, which is the next one. Um, she uses a, an analogy. Uh, extreme, I don't know, where is it? In some An example, blah, blah, blah. An extreme example. Um, yeah, next, next below that, just below that. In the second paragraph there. An extreme example, imagine someone is stabbed but had a, an irregular heartbeat, which contributed to a cardiac failure when they were attacked. The irregular heartbeat might appear on their death certificate, but we wouldn't say the person who stabbed them was not responsible for their death. Now, that's an example of, I mean, she's using that, as an analogy or an COVID. example for COVID, now, that's, I mean, that's highly, that, I mean, the title of this article is factually incorrect, and and the ONS said that it was uh, highly misleading or something like that. Um, but that, 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 an ex- example she uses to try and make the point, to try and get people mm-hmm. to understand why this figure is, is, is misleading, is in itself misleading. Yeah. Because, you know, someone who stabs someone is not the same as a respiratory virus that circulates every year and has done for hundreds of years or thousands of years in the human population. That's not the same as someone who with agency goes up and kills someone. You can't you can't yeah. you can't you compare those two things or you can't make you can't equate those two things. It's ridiculous, you know. Yeah. It's um but just on the um if you just go to the the next one is blogs.ons.gov.uk this is actually where I think this, this is the, so this is the office of national statistics blog and they're the ones who release this data. Uh, and they more or less saying, say the same, say the same thing. Uh, if you just go down to understanding cause of death, um, doctors are required by law to certify the cause of death to the best of their knowledge and belief. Now that immediately tells you that it's difficult for any doctor to actually ascertain or determine the actual cause of death. They use their medical expertise to decide the cause based on symptoms, physical examination, hospital records, blah, blah, blah. Uh, There's a huge range of pre-existing conditions that can be listed on the death certificate, from heart disease and cancers to obesity and heart arrhythmias. For the more than 140,000 deaths that were due to covid it has been determined that COVID nineteen was the underlying cause of death, as opposed to one of these pre-existing conditions. This is a it's a thorny issue that's come up over and over again. We've yeah. talked about it repeatedly over the past two years. Uh, this isn't new, obviously. For some people, it might be new, but we have talked about it repeatedly. Other people have talked about it repeatedly, going way back to like really early days of this pandemic, so-called pandemic. Uh, were about reporting on on the numbers of deaths and. People being people who were in ill health. Now the well, I'll just throw this up as a go to the next ONS just to give you the official data. So in case we run run a file of the of the Ministry of Truth at YouTube, uh, just go down to the little table there. This is the averages of those who have died with COVID nineteen. You can see it there are persons, male, female, uh, median and mean ages, basically. 83, 82 and a half, as noted by us and other people before this, the average age of people who have died with or from whatever COVID, COVID on the death certificates, was above the life expectancy, age of life expectancy in the UK. So that highlights one of the points we've made repeatedly over and over again as well, which is that this virus is primarily only dangerous to people who are at or above life expectancy and that demographic tends to have, a lot of them tend to have uh, significant comorbidities. I just wanted to again it's a thorny issue, but I just wanted to use an analogy myself since analogies seem to be the thing uh, to, to to make your argument about this topic, is that um, if a, a, a A man or a woman, uh, elderly, let's say at the average age of of, uh, COVID COVID deaths, 82, 83 years old, with some underlying conditions, was out for a walk, could still walk, was healthy enough to go out for a walk, and walked, was walking along a riverbank or a canal, and something happened, (coughs) dog chased them, whatever, bicycle bumped them, they fall in, and they drown. What's the cause of death?
0: The person on the bike. Well, no, it was
1: drowning, right? But
0: what? Well, ah, yes, okay. I have to think medically like a doctor, not like a police detective. Uh, but it
1: was, an, well, it was accidental, right? Dog, whatever, tripped. Don't, yes, don't fix no. it on the person. Yeah, how then, they the fell medical
0: in. issue is they died because they were asphyxiated or suffocated because the lungs were full of fluids. So they would say drowning. Drowning, yes.
1: Right, but was... Is it not reasonable to argue in that case that the cause of death was infirmity and the inability to swim?
0: Or and, to avoid the bicyclist?
1: Well, forget it, whatever. Let's say they're in the water. Okay. From whatever cause. Accidentally, they trip, whatever. That's force of nature, act of nature, act of God. So there's, mm-hmm. there's nobody else involved. They trip and fall. Okay. For, obviously, you're not going to involve the stone they tri- or you're not going to blame the stone they tri- <laughs> it's a good example though of, of how if you're filling in a death certificate and you're, and you're, you're describing the chain of events yeah. that led to death, in that situation you might actually include a stone on the bank of the river or the canal that the person tripped on that was the first uh, chain in the chain of events or first uh, element in the chain of events that uh, caused their death but then, so they fall into the river and they drown why did they drown? Because if you take 20 years off their life if you put them at 60 years old. A 60-year-old person in the same condition, let's say, that same person, 20 years younger, would not have drowned. <clears throat> so was drowning was the cause of death, but what, was, what really was the cause of death? Their frail, their age. Right. Maybe they had a kind of comorbidity, whatever. So I'm just trying to highlight the in in, in, in The
0: context in in which these victims died is that they were very old.
1: Their inability to survive a respiratory virus, a relatively normal respiratory virus circulating, that causes some people uh, to die because they're not able to fight it off. Um, I suppose the point in all of this is that uh, the, the counter to the BBC and, and their rebuttal of anybody saying that only 17,000 people are a very small percentage of the actual official numbers really only actually died from COVID. Uh, the BBC's counter to that is no, they all died of COVID. But that's not the case in in, in, the, in the kind of analogy I'm using or the, the, the way I think it's reasonable to look at it, which is that the thing that causes people and again, The average age is 82.5 years old. The thing that causes most people who are at or above life expectancy age to die is the fact that they're at or above life expectancy age. That's what causes them to die. There are many different other contributing factors, but fundamentally, the reason they die is because it's their time to die. And of course, society can and does try to minimise and prevent the amount of people... Uh, who, who, who will die or fall Ill, fall Ill and die from various different causes. But ultimately, you're not going to be able to stop it. And I think governments have, long before now, a couple of years ago, they strayed into that area of we must stop all these people from dying when they had never done that before. They'd never done it with the flu before. Uh, every year around the world, influenza and other respiratory viruses cause a lot of death amongst, again, elderly people with comorbidities and governments have never tried in the way that they have done over the past few mm-hmm. years to stop those people from dying. But they decided to do that with, uh, with coronavirus with the effect that they then spread that out to everybody in society, people who are not in danger from this virus and imposing restrictions on them and causing all of the effects that we've talked about before all of the negative effects we talked about before in terms of the the lockdowns and the restrictions on society and restrictions on people's lives, all of the knock on effects uh, seriously negative knock on effects on on many different people who for whom this virus was not an issue at all so it's it 's weird that i don't know the whole thing is just weird to me and it's hard to tease it out we're two two years down the line there's been so much said about it, so much misinformation and disinformation about it, and actual reasonable accurate information and reasonable accurate argumentation against government policies has been shut down by government by the media to the point where um you wonder if it's even there's any point in even saying anything trying to dig into it and try to trying to but here we are you keep doing it i know (laughs) and you know what you know what the problem is the problem is that what i just said seems to be a reasonable yeah um Take on it, and it's a very simple take. It's very simple, and I've said it over and over again in different ways. And there's and there's no, I don't think there's anybody. There's no way anybody can disagree with with the argument, with the fact, with the statement that this virus was not a danger to anybody who was relatively young and healthy. Um, The vast majority of them, as has been said by government, you know, officials and health health ministers over over and over over again. That the vast majority would not end up, would not have any significant problem with it, would not, would not end up, up in hospital. Even those who do end up in hospital would not uh, end up dying from it. And even uh, and those who end up dying from it would be very small. Um, so in that context that's been known for a long time, why the massive rollout of punitive, draconian, totalitarian, effectively, uh, restrictions on people's freedoms? That's the question. Why? when there's no justification for it, any reasonable, there's no reasonable justification for it. And you can't get an answer to that question. You can't talk about that. The only way they would shut you down, uh if you ever tried to talk in that way, is that you want Granny to die, or the, you know, ad hominem attacks. Which was
0: very, very much the first line of attack right. on that <coughs> explanation at the outset. Remember? Yeah. It was incredible how worked up people got. So what you're saying is you want Granny yeah. to die. Yeah. No, I'm saying granny is old and she could die at any moment hmm. because she's alive on earth.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I'm not saying, of course, a reasonable policy would be to uh, identify people who were at risk from this and any other respiratory virus and take whatever measure, medical measures necessary or even non-medical interventions necessary to protect those people. And they themselves would be participants in that. They would you know, go along with it. They would. They would facilitate those measures for them and they would do it willingly because they know that they're in danger and they would be protecting themselves but that's only a tiny percent of the population and the rest of the population just carries on why that didn't happen, I mean I know uh, this, is, this is an elementary question and it's been asked over and over again over the past two years but no one ever asked it no one ever addressed it correctly or gave a reason why that could not have been done from the very beginning it's almost like people tried to say that over and over again listen just isolate the, the, the yeah, those people but, in danger <clears throat> Vaccinate those people in danger. Leave the rest. There's no problem for the rest. They said that, but it was just met with a blank. They were just blanked or stonewalled. And they stopped asking it. They stopped saying it. They stopped bringing it up. Yeah. And to date, no one has ever given, no official source has ever actually responded to that that point as to why that was not done. We didn't know or blah, blah, blah. And, you know, again, they did know. It was, the data was in very early on. Like I said, this was only dangerous to a small percentage of the population. So why not uh, protect them and leave the rest of society alone? Don't know. Well, we do know at this point. We do know because Justin Trudeau is fleeing in the face of people who are very angry at him and others who did in government who did that, and he's gone into hiding because of it. Yeah, like so many little tin pot dictators. Are we going to get banned for saying all this? <laughs>
0: I don't know, I don't know. I mean, look how uh, look how cautious people are. Again, in what they say, yeah. But just the, throw
1: throw up just on, on just to finish on that point. Just throw up just to make the point about the negative effects of lockdowns and all that kind of stuff. Again, it's we've talked about this repeatedly over and over again. It's been in the media, <clears throat> the three uh, Telegraph articles, Scotty. Uh, first one is deaths of people whose medical care was disrupted quadrupled in the first COVID lockdown, i.e., denial of primary care to people who, again, <laughs> it's weird, uh, denial of primary care to people who were not in danger. You know, so while the government was focusing on people, let's say, and wants to wants to highlight people who, who who had a, some kind of a comorbidity, some kind of underlying illness, and then COVID co- was related, or they say caused their death, they want you to focus on those people and include those people in the COVID statistics. But there are people who, similar, probably, who knows, we don't know the data, but maybe as many or more people in the same category who had illnesses that came on them during lockdown who didn't get primary healthcare and died as a result. Mm. Now, are they going to be are they included in, as, as COVID deaths? If they had a positive test 28 days before their death, then they would have been included in COVID deaths. But that's not what killed them. What killed them was lockdowns. What killed them was denial of primary care by the government. So um, the next one, again, it's like, look at the date in this next one. Uh, <laughs> how many times have we talked about this? But it's like, again, it's like, okay, it's good that they're promoting it and and talking about it, but it's like two days old and it again talks about this nudge unit business, the behavioral psychologists in the British government and of course in every other government, at least in the western world who use fear and loathing and terror tactics against the population, psychological terror tactics in order to get them to comply with policies that did not, were not necessary for them, with medical policies that were not
0: necessary for them um, because they're Healthy people. Uh, the headline is government nudge unit, which we discussed before, the behavioral psychologist hired by the government, quote, use grossly unethical tactics to scare public into COVID compliance, end quote. So my question would be, for example, to YouTube is the British government in using grossly unethical tactics were some of those unethical tactics the use of medical misinformation. Yeah. did they misinform the population about the medical situation to get them to do things? You know? It's
1: well, certainly when they said they, they used uh, MPs launch investigation after psychologists criticized totalitarian tactics of, de- of deploying fear, shame, scapegoating. So they deployed fear. What was the nature? What, what were the tactics that employed fear? Or what was the data? What was the messaging around fear? It would have been around numbers of deaths. Mm-hmm the numbers of people with COVID, the number of people dying of COVID, all that kind of stuff. And now, again, this is what we're talking about. We're bringing up the question of those numbers of people dying with COVID that were used to instill fear in the population and whether they're actually accurate. Did COVID actually kill those people? A person who, you know, again, was frail, uh, had underlying, serious underlying health conditions and COVID pushed them over the edge. Can you use that death to instill fear in a, young person that they also will die from COVID because look at this example of someone who is 82 years old with diabetes and, and, and liver disease or kidney disease that person died of COVID and therefore you Neil also at your 25 years young yeah. uh, um, will also die that's a fear tactic right that's a, 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 <coughs> a unethical fear tactic because it's not true Fundamentally, yeah. it means it's not true. Well, the Australian Grossly government
0: you yeah. remember that one, where yeah. it's just a horrible scene of someone dying on a ventilator in a hospital. Right, And that was it, just 20 seconds of that and then get vaccinated. Yeah. And the implication strong. In fact, the explicit messaging that accompanied such advertising campaigns was that everyone from five to 85, right. Could you're at risk up. of ending up like that unless is, you get vaccinated. So it's not just unethical. That's medical... misinformation. Misinformation.
1: It's not just unethical, it's false. It's unethical because it's false. Yeah. If you just go to the last one, and this is basically up to date, this is three days ago. Again, it's the same story. It's the Telegraph for some reason and other mainstream media outlets seem to be repeating this. This is a three-day-old article that we talked about maybe two weeks ago uh, where there were other articles saying more or less the same thing and they're just repeating it, which is that Right now, most COVID hospital patients in England are not being treated primarily for virus. Just 36% of patients are now true COVID cases. So why continue the hysteria? Why continue the drive for vaccination? Why continue, you know, it's, it's become endemic in the population. It's a, an endemic respiratory viruses, virus that is similar to a cold. Why, restrict, why continue restrictions? Um, why mask mandates? Why vaccine mandates? Question that doesn't have an answer, apparently. It doesn't have a nice answer. Um, yeah. And just go to the times of Israel since we're still on COVID. We've been along, we're on, yeah, well, it's not all been COVID, okay, it's been about truckers too, but uh have got to get off COVID soon because we're going to. <laughs> the more we talk about COVID, the more chance we have of running a file. Israel, world number one in daily COVID cases per capita. Israel is also number one in rollout of vaccines and boosters. Yeah, Do vaccines. work That's
0: just a fact, and uh, you just leave that fact standing. You don't need to say anything else. Um,
1: do vaccines work the way they were. They were. Cl- it was claimed they work. If that's the case if you remember we were all told that vaccines were the way out of this but the, f- the sad fact is that we're not in it anymore anyway and, and data like this, COVID cases per capita, number one, blah 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 it's, it's so, it's lacking context Omicron, so there's a lot of people in Israel who have the cold should that be, should we just take that headline and change it to, lots of people in Israel have the cold Um CDC, if we want to hear from the C D C as a final point, as as you know, the the final word on COVID and vaccination from the C D C. Fauci. Throw oh, it there, Scotty.
0: He's still going. This is a study,
1: large study, involving eighteen percent of the US population. I. e. everybody, all the data from California and New York. Um it's not very long, but um, Basically, what is added in this report there um, is, is a summation of it, and it's really the last, the last line. By early October, persons who survived a previous COVID infection had lower case rates than persons who were vaccinated alone, i.e. natural immunity. And that is not limited to people who survived a previous infection, at least not in the way you might think, because surviving a previous infection can be surviving a previous infection that was asymptomatic. So the question here is how many people in the world have been exposed to this virus, have natural immunity. Whatever number that is, those people have stronger immunity than those who are vaccinated from the CDC. Is it not over? Or is the band gonna make it? Is the Fauci band gonna make it?
0: I think uh well will see. <clears throat> I don't know what I think. I can't say what I think. Uh I have I have things here from well there's the guy, the Harvard doctor who spoke to some subcommittee this week. On do I even mention it? Put it up there. It's not us saying it. It's not Harvard. It's a Yale epidemiologist. Let's see what he has to say about the state of play with the COVID.
1: And the vaccines.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. On the on the vaccine, which is, of course, the main and only weapon in the war against COVID, right? Right. What's he speaking to? I'm not sure. I guess it's in Congress. United yeah. States Congress.
3: Oh, he started talking. He's not supposed to do that. It's actually published a statement about this in their week 42 uh, weekly report that showed that people who've had COVID and then get vaccinated have lower levels of anti-nucleocapsid uh, antibodies. And this means, and since the vaccines don't address the nucleocapsid antigens They only address the spike. It means that they're doing something that's damaging the immune response in a more general way than just what they do with the spike. And this is empirical data that Public Health UK has published. So we know that this is happening. It's not a theoretical issue about all of the niceties of of laboratory Mm -hmm. biology and virology of things that could happen. It's a real thing that's been really observed by their testing.
1: So basically, what he's, saying, he's saying something that, <clears throat> again, there's so, I've, seen it, I've seen it across the board, and it's hard to take, although I'm used to it by now, but lots of people coming out, authoritative people coming out and saying stuff that we have said six months, one year, 18 months ago, we're saying over and over again. And you have to wonder, how the hell were we be able to see that? And they weren't.
0: Because we're conspiracy
1: theorists. Anyway what he's saying basically is what, like I said what we said before, which is that the vaccination with the current mRNA vaccines uh, target force your kind of encourage or force your immune system essentially to target uh, a spike protein uh, on basically it, it was for the alpha, the delta variant, whatever, and it doesn't really work very well with omicron, and that narrow targeting or not narrow focusing of your immune system onto one specific uh, part of the spike protein from a previous variant means that your immune system is compromised in dealing with other variants, let's say newer variants like Omicron, it doesn't deal very well with it. Therefore, he's basically saying that people who have been vaccinated have um, lower levels of antibodies um, than people who haven't been vaccinated. Who people have natural immunity, um, which is kind of like what the CDC was just saying. Cause he's kind of echoing in a different way what the CDC were saying that uh, being vaccinated, um, is inferior in terms of dealing with this virus as it is now than um, natural immunity, because vaccination is too limited in terms of its focus on uh, how it focuses your immune system. Uh, that may have other implications for immune response to other pathogens or other viruses or other bacteria down the line. We don't know. We're going to find out, I suppose. But I think it bears out what we've been saying all along, that um, people who are healthy uh, aren't really in any danger from this virus. I think I, I think, think the
3: answer to your question is actually pretty obvious. Like no. you said, like, well, how? Well, no, because you said, well, how? how is it that what we've been saying all along, all these so-called experts are now coming out and saying it, and the answer is because all those people who really are experts, I was kind of foaming at the mouth on Facebook about this. It's like these people who are the real experts are the ones who are saying, uh, no, we need to hold up here, blah, blah, blah. Let's let's not go crazy. What about this? What about that? They're the ones who are being fired from their jobs and right. banned from YouTube and told that they're crazy. So all these people who say, oh, no, why aren't you listening to the experts? The answer is, well, Like you guys were listening to the experts when no one else was. Right. And everyone else was listening to the people who they thought were experts, who were being promoted as experts. Yeah. So actually.
1: Well, experts with an agenda. There's experts with an agenda and experts without an agenda. And we tended to to focus on the experts without, who didn't appear to have an agenda. Uh, That an agenda would distort data, let's say, or present a particular picture of. Uh, the, the whole pandemic that was not exactly accurate uh, we tended to identify those people and you know point out how their agenda that that, that, that was their agenda um, and then give counter evidence from people who didn't have that agenda who simply had an agenda that was led by the actual data and reason and sanity and the broad picture And so yeah it's hard teasing all this out really you know and trying to present it in a way that people who have drunk the Kool Aid, so to speak, uh, will will be able to accept and understand. But again, it comes back to something again that we've said many times before, which is that's very difficult for people to follow the data and the evidence to its logical conclusion, because the logical conclusion is a conclusion that it, yeah it's, it's unsavory because it implies something about the powers, the, the, the authorities and, and government in this world imply something about them and their intentions towards the people, that is very disturbing for most people.
0: Yeah, well they're not going to change facts and <clears throat> presentations of data this is proven by studies actually, do not change people's minds, it's, right. it's emotional content right. it's uh, the shock which has always a key emotional component that changes people's minds. It's only when they're directly affected when their 12 year old becomes another vaccine victim and they go and they seek compensation. And then they learn. First rule, there's no compensation because the companies are indemnified against that and they go, okay, well, who do I sue in the government? And the government goes, no, you can't sue us either. You, You willingly let your 12 year old do that
1: your choice. Yeah, it was your choice. And Accept then, they, and,
0: and they only then will they have this thing. Well, the question will drive them and propel them through the stages we've been through. The other, the other available mm. means is the social proof element of seeing others upset by it and expressing mm. it. And it's not even that they're hearing, say, the Canadian truckers and listening to the rational arguments presented by the Canadian. It's not; they're not hearing the facts. They're not right. reading the placards and going, "I never thought of that." Actually. They're feeling something. Mm. They're feeling, wait a minute, that's, that's the guy who delivers my Amazon stuff. And that guy over there, he's my neighbor. He's a cool guy. I really like him. So it's getting people and together, they're going, basically. Actually, I'm with
1: them. So it's getting people together where they can hear each other and talk to each other, which is interesting because that's what the government has, has done precisely the opposite of. That's, forced that on people over the past few years through Isolation. isolation. Separating people from each other. As I
0: keep saying, contextual evidence for the whole showdown before this, 50 countries on earth were seeing massive, massive anti-government protests. In October, November, December of 2019, a quarter of the world's countries had states that were kind of trembling, not least here in France. Mm. Uh, And that all was kaboom, Mm -hmm. went into shutdown. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying it was the thing, but... It was an interesting consequence of
1: it. Yeah, so it's interesting. So it's all about people's choice. Then people, government would say that people have chosen all of this. I'm sorry you took the vaccine. It was your choice, but it was a choice that was made under the influence of grossly unethical tactics to scare the public into COVID compliance. Is that a choice? It's not exactly a free choice, right? When you're under that kind of influence. Yeah.
0: yeah. That's why people cite the Nuremberg code in the, specifically the part where the population must be fully informed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, legal challenges aren't, <clears throat> well, there are some legal challenges that are working, but legal challenges in terms of compensation and justice after the fact of an injury or death, I don't think they're going to go anywhere. No. There, are, there are obviously injunctions that are working, in, especially in the American court system, against the mandates. Mm-hmm. I. That's a preventative too further damage being done to society, but all right next <laughs> <clears throat> Russia Russia's behind it all,
3: obviously so it's Russia is made tr-
1: that claim some news, news person made that claim about the truckers that there was Russian agitators involved yeah. in, the, Wait, in the Canadian truckers.
3: did you say Russia? Yes, hang on.
1: Do it. Oh, my God. DEFCON.
3: That's, that's oh. the red alert for the, the red commie threat. Okay. <laughs> All right, you carry be- on. You
1: better play that repeatedly, because we're <laughs> going to be saying a lot of stuff about the red commie threat right now. Uh.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was mentioned uh, by... <laughs> it's funny, it was only mentioned, I think, by one mainstream news anchor... In Canada, so that didn 't smack of a of any kind of um, concerted centrally directed Canadian government effort. I think she spontaneously suggested that on mm-hmm. her news show mm-hmm. this, this whole thing is this isn 't very Canadian, and she 's trying to encourage her whoever was she was interviewing have you thought of it? Maybe the Russians are behind this you know?
1: mm. there 's a one of our one of, some, a guy who follows us on Twitter um, asked us to comment on a tweet by the Russian embassy. We just throw it up there, Scotty. Um, the Russian embassy in the UK. Uh, it's got a nice picture of Lavrov because um, it's quoting him. Lavrov said uh, today. If our attempts to agree on mutually acceptable principles of ensuring security in Europe fail, we will take countermeasures. They could come in all shapes and sizes. The president will make decisions based on proposals by military commanders. I think that's, that's definitely Def, DEFCON commie right there. Um, it,
3: it goes good along with Levrov's like <clears throat> super serious expression there.
0: Yeah.
1: DEFCON, the commies are coming. Um, Look at him.
0: Obviously a red commie.
1: Yeah. So uh, explain, to tease that out there, what, what's Lavrov <clears throat> telling what What's he going to do?
0: This is the Russian government standing firm on the line it has drawn on NATO expansion, specifically incorporating Ukraine into NATO de facto, never mind de jure legally and officially and whatever. He's talking, look, the US has been saying since December, hang on a minute, Ukraine isn't a part of NATO. And anyway, if it wants to join, it's very welcome to join. The Russians are saying, no, the line we're drawing is the missile systems, the weapons you're dumping into Ukraine, which is de facto making it NATO territory. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That We want to stop. Mm. Red line, red line. So he was just underscoring that we're not happy with your reply, which finally came from Washington and Brussels this week. Um, We know that. He said a lot of cool things this week. Do you want me to say some other things? Yeah. Um,
1: Say some other things there.
0: So Mm. in Moscow's response to the month-late response to the Russian draft treaty, it was effectively a short draft treaty with eight points that Russia issued – Putin probably wrote them himself, sent last month. They finally responded. Uh, Lavrov said about, we don't know what they said because the Americans asked the Russians to not publish the contents. And they agreed, you know, being all diplomatic and polite. Um. Anyway, they did respond off the cuff about it. Lavrov said, if it is up to the Russian Federation, there will be no war. We do not want wars. But he stressed, however, that officials, quote, will not allow our interests to be brutally attacked or to be ignored either. According to Lavov, Washington's response to Moscow's proposals is, quote, almost a model of diplomatic decency. However, he said that NATO's answer to the two Russian draft documents, quote, is so ideologized, ideal, yes, ideal, ideologized, it breathes the exclusivity of the Alliance, its special mission, its special purpose. If they insist that they won't change their position, we won't change our position either. So, that supports what his other statement from the Ministry was saying earlier, that we're not moving, i.e. we still have a military option ready to go, or two or three, or who mm. knows, or it could be asymmetric. They suggest he's, That statement also suggests it may not actually be coming at you via Ukraine. It may not even be military in nature or overtly military in nature. Um, it's interesting. It's, it's causing... A, a, we joked about it last week, the, the spat between the Prime Minister and the President of Croatia. It's not a big country, no, but still it's a formal NATO member. There is a, also a kind of a... It's not just a tiny part of Europe. It's one of the old ex-Yugoslavian countries, republics, and it, it's you know Slavic. So there's a split going on there. After I think the president, the president said, "There's no if shit kicks off in Ukraine, we're taking any Croatian deployments away from Eastern Europe." Mm. Then the prime minister came back and said, uh, "No, no, we're not actually." The president doesn't know what he's talking about. Well, the the president responded to him. What did he say? (laughs) He responded by calling his own Prime Minister a Ukrainian agent. (laughs) Published yesterday. So, anyway, this just goes to show you the kind of, like, fractious nature of this is having within governments within Europe. Yeah. And not only that, you know, um, between Washington and Kiev, all week long the Kiev government has been pleading... Yeah, with Washington. Just throw one up, Scotty. To tone down the rhetoric.
1: So this is Zelensky, the Ukraine Ukraine Prime Minister, um, asks the West to tone down the panic. So what does that tell you, like, when you have Ukraine, who's like, oh, Ukraine's being invaded, Russia's (sighs) going to get Ukraine, somebody save Ukraine, poor Ukraine. And then the Prime Minister of that country says, you know, can you all just chill out a little bit? Uh, Because, and he was saying that for good reason he's saying that, is because there's a kind of a all that panic and hysteria about Russia is going to invade Ukraine, despite the fact that we're saying, no, we're not really going to invade Ukraine. And, um, and, and all of the you know, hysteria around it is causing a kind of capital flight out of, uh, right. out of Ukraine mm-hmm. and it's hurting their economy. And he's like, can you just calm down a little bit? Because you're turning us into like this kind of like uh, place that no one wants to have anything to do with because it's about to be destroyed by Russia. So can you, so it's, it's interesting. And at points, it highlights the fact that I think that's a reasonable conclusion at this point, if it wasn't before, which is that the people who want sanctions against Russia, regardless of what Russia does, is America and its some of its allies. They want sanctions, they want to be able to smack Russia with the worst sanctions they've ever seen for reasons other than Ukraine or anything else. Um yeah. it's it's like The U.S. keeps talking about it and ramping it up, and its media keeps ramping it up. If you go to like the 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 other RT one, there, Scotty, um, about uh, the the German MP, the the head of the German Navy had to resign last week because he was caught on video in India saying that you know, uh, Russia Putin just wants respect. He just wants to be shown some respect, and he deserves respect. And Crimea isn't probably coming back, so forget about all that. Let's mm-hmm. just show them some respect and let's just be civil and everything will be, everything will sort itself out, which is kind of what, um, which is pretty much what the Russians have been saying. You know, we want some respect and you to respect our interests. And America's response by saying, no, you're going to invade Ukraine, sanction, sanction, we're going to give you horrible sanctions. And and um, But there's another German MP who came up with a, you know, a really stunning, you know, really highbrow, he must have you know, spent weeks trying to figure this out. I
0: think he was meditating on a mountain for weeks. He must have been. He it, it, it was enlightened by the, so, the end of his hike.
1: German Member of Parliament, Klaus Ernst, said that uh, guarantees of Ukraine not joining the US-led military bloc would help resolve the current tensions. <gasps> that's a pretty shocking conclusion there, but I don't know how he came to that conclusion, <coughs> apart from the fact that that's what <coughs> Russia has been saying over and over again. And he said to defuse the situation in the short term the West must assure Russia that Ukraine will not be admitted to NATO. It would be best if Ukraine was given a status like Finland, a status of neutrality. He was referring to Finland's long-standing tradition of not formally allying itself with military blocs. The Nordic country is not a NATO member and maintained neutrality during the Cold War.
0: Same with Austria.
1: So, why can't that happen? If Finland's doing it,
0: why can't Ukraine do that? Because right now in Washington, D.C., they are the think tankers, the neocons, the media there, official media is hysterical. If they heard that, I'm sure they have. They've referred to other German statements along similar lines in the last few weeks mm-hmm. as treasonous. This is, the Germans are betraying us.
1: Who's saying that? Americans. The Washington think tankers.
0: Mm-hmm. The stuff they're coming out with is, they're betraying is us off it, the wall. Like,
1: they're betraying us in what respect? Just to tease it out.
0: They're, they're betraying us by not presenting a united front to stand up to the aggressor, Russia. Because well, In what way is Russia an aggressor? Well, but that's, that's, this painted the scenario for the whole world this last month that Russia is on the verge of invading Ukraine with 100,000 troops. Okay, but it's not. And Biden's made it more specific. like In case anyone's in any doubt, this was leaked, apparently a leaked transcript, which is freaking weird how this happened because this is what happened to Trump. Which got him impeached when he had a call with Zelensky three years ago. Anyway, Biden and Zelensky had a phone call this week and apparently did not go well. The the transcript was leaked in which Biden supposedly told Zelensky that Kiev is on the verge of being sacked, prepare for impact. Mm. That's the belief, or if they don't believe it themselves, that's the kind of rhetoric an they're atmosphere using fear in Washington right now that they want everyone to feel globally.
1: Right. Because, but it's not true. So it's wh- not so true. So why? So let's cut through the bullshit and let's say that Russia is not an aggressor in the way that they're being portrayed. and They're not going to invade Ukraine. They don't want to conquer Ukraine and take it over. Why would America be presenting it in that way? What is their problem with Russia?
0: In, in the immediate term, in what, what's happened recently...
1: In general, why would would the U.S. be doing this at all? Why are they making stuff up? Why are they hystericizing the whole world about Russian aggression when it's not the way they're portraying it? What is their goal?
0: It's to stymie and arguably cut off, ideally end all Russian trade and cooperation economically, infrastructurally um, with Europe.
1: And why would they want to do that?
0: because they don't want Russian influence in Europe because American influence has dominated for so long. They don't want to reduce their domination and to give more of a share of economic power mm-hmm. to Russia.
1: Okay, they don't want a unipolar Europe. world. They want a world where America is the hegemon and remains a hegemon and dictates terms to everybody. Yeah, They don't want any They threats. don't want a
0: multipolar situation where Russia is, is, is just just has, ju- has just as big an influence because that is where it is going mm-hmm. um, you know the history of gas pipelines in Russia is fascinating because it goes back to the 1960s mm-hmm. and the first mega deal was signed um initially between East Germany, which of course would would have been a had a communist ideological alliance with Moscow in a one billion dollar deal massive for its time to ship gas directly into Germany. Well, West Germany immediately went, hang on, we want some of the action too. And another pipeline was built four years later. And the Americans objected, not too loudly, but in the background they were like, what's going on? You but don't like the look of this, you know? <laughs> so it's ever since that day with kind of, it's been a rising and falling pitch over the decades. But mm-hmm. now it is at a hysteria level. Why? Because one factor is that West Germany agreed in principle with the Americans, to buy their agreement with building energy pipelines from Russia into Europe at the time, they made a deal strategic deal no more than one third of russia, of europe European energy dependence it would be limit it would be a strategic cap it can come from russia it 's now at forty one percent or thereabouts and you see the Americans see it ticking up to fifty, and then uh, maybe it 's their kind of like simplistic Profit mode of loss benefit calculation. What's, if they see it hit fifty point five percent, we are now the minority shareholder.
1: Right in Europe, yeah. in energy, and energy dependence, at least on that front. Yeah. yeah. Well, if you go to the, these are those are kind of statements that have been echoed this week by um, an ally of Putin. Um, he uses an inflammatory statement. Uh, it's the RT one. Um, peace with us peace with us only possible after a new world order according to a putin ally yeah. so this is um alesky pushkov a close ally of putin who was chairman of the state Duma of foreign affairs committee he said that the u.s is a hegemon that is gradually losing its position in the world they suffered a very serious defeat in the middle east they lost syria they lost the battle for afghanistan they were forced to withdraw off almost all their troops from Iraq at the end of 2021. They said that US officials are trying to maintain their dominant influence by having conflicts simultaneously with Russia and China, although with different degrees of intensity. Which creates a nervous environment both in America and the rest of the world. The US is no longer the US no longer treats us as a secondary power. It doesn't treat russia as a secondary power anymore which is why they're scared they treat us as a a paramount power which is why they said russia not china as one of the main problems facing the biden administration in 2022 he warned that 2022 will be a year of crisis between washington and moscow as i understand it they now want to solve the russian problem that is to subjugate practically all of europe pushing russia to its very outskirts this is exactly what they need Ukraine for. The next phase will be a political or even military confrontation with China. Could well be.
0: Yeah, that, yeah.
1: He says <laughs> America's political and financial elite believe they're the only ones who can run the world. So until a new world order is established in which the US is weaker and its role is diminished, we will be more or less we will be in more or less acute political conflict with them. Yeah. And he said the imposition of sanctions against the head of state and against the leader of Russia is a measure that is in, is comparable to severing relations. So that's what's on the cards. Um I mean there's a deeper issue here in terms of, you know, um obviously there's a there's the political, there's an economic, military uh competition between the US and Russia and maybe China, whatever, and they're vying for, America's vying for, uh, the maintenance or to attempting to maintain its position. as global hegemon It's doing, it sees its threat, the threats to that and it pushes back and creates all sort of ruses and different provocations and conflicts and whips up, uh, other countries, especially in Europe in order to demonize, uh, its perceived enemies or its real enemies, at least, at least economically and militarily. But there's a cultural aspect as well. Mm. And it it kind of goes deeper down into the problem. What is the difference? Is, is, there, is there a difference in, in ideology and cultural mm-hmm. beliefs and the way that the two elites see the world or the peoples in those countries see the world? I mean, you mentioned before that who was it? Was it Clapper said that the claimed that the Russians are genetically l-
0: prone to lying? The you know, Russians, uh, it's in the, it's he, Clapper said... Um I think he said not just lying, but he said that uh, Russians—it's in their genetics to be subversive, Mm. uh, to come in and take over. You know, like like this program running through the the DNA of the whole world, and you know, it can come at any. Which it fit the the, it fit. It's actually consistent. It 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 fits the narrative that they've been pushing since 2016 in a big way. Mm. That you don't understand the Russian mind. It's not just that he'll attack you this way. But it'll come up through your neighbor. Your mm. neighbor will suddenly start saying things to you, and it'll sound strange and foreign to you. That's because the Kremlin has put thoughts in his head. Right. So when he's talking about freedom and the constitution, and the, or the Bible, or you know what the hell is going on in Washington, or trucker convoy and stuff like that, your neighbor isn't actually your neighbor anymore. He is now literally the Kremlin is in his mind. Mm. Telling him what... Ideological subversion, basically. That, that is what they actually want the whole world to, to see it as. Yeah. So they see Russian... Ideological, Ro- spiritual, even. Spiritual, cultural. Genetic.
1: Yeah. Well, it's interesting. If we just go to the la- the, the, the last uh, RT article, um, the, the Russia, Russia's Ministry of Culture uh, published this week right. uh, a, a draft setting out what they call traditional values, posted on the ministry's website. Uh, and it was posted for consultation ahead of being presented to putin Uh, and it provides the foundations it's designed to provide the foundations of government policy for the protection and strengthening of traditional russian spiritual and moral values so the draft text defines traditional values as moral guidelines that form russian citizens worldview transferring from generation to generation guaranteeing civil unity forming the base of Russian civilizational identity and the nation's unified cultural space and manifesting uniquely and distinctly in the spiritual, historical and cultural developments of the multi-ethnic people of Russia. According to the order, these examples of these values include life, dignity, human rights and freedom, patriotism, civic consciousness, service to the fatherland and responsibility for its fate, high moral ideals, a strong family, creative work, prioritizing the spiritual over the material, humanism, charity, justice, collectivism, mutual support and respect, historical memory and continuity between generations and the unity of the peoples of Russia. Um, And in contrast, so, well, the thing about it is, most of that, I think, could be said to define the cultural and moral and spiritual values of Amer- Americans at yeah. least. Uh, in America, just relating this to America here, of certainly American conservatives. No? Mm-hmm. If, you, if, you, if, you, if you read that, <clears throat> just put that up again, if you just read that list, like, you know. Um, who, who disagrees with it? According to the order. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who disagrees with that? Life, dignity, human rights and freedom, patriotism, civic consciousness, service to the father, service to the country, responsibility for the country's fate, high moral ideals, a strong family, creative work, prioritizing spiritual over material, humanism, charity, justice, and so on. Mutual support, support and respect. Start this is, why that's, that's, this that's,
0: is the fundament of why Russia. It's not economic per se. It's great It's also that. that anyway. It's, it's also, also this. Like, go and listen to this. Go and read the articles by David Frum. He was the chief speechwriter for Obama. He's like a major neocon, no, now neo-dem think tanker in Washington, still is a key influence in, in D.C. His, his, his counter meta-theory is that you've got to understand what's going on here. Moscow is the, the world capital of this white supremacist movement, this um, neo-traditionalist, in quotes, because he wants to denigrate all that. Right. It, under the guise of the, un, he would say, under the ideological guise of that list, Russia is trying to subvert the actual decent natural order of things. See, they, that's how they both see it. The, the two elites of the two countries are in this ideological conflict. If
1: all of those values subvert American values, or subvert America, what does that say about America? Is America the opposite of all those things then? Yes. At least the political elites stand for the opposite so. of all those things? I
0: think so. I think they, th- they
1: stand for the opposite of life, the opposite of dignity, the opposite of human rights and freedom, the opposite of patriotism. Certainly they were down on patriotism in a number of respects. During, during the the yeah. Trump era. yeah, look, Human rights and freedom, certainly freedom with the COVID business. <laughs> uh, they're, not happy, they're not too. Uh, um,
0: look how easy it is for to get abortion everywhere in the West now. Euthanasia. Right. Um,
1: a strong family. There's a lot of critique of uh, family and a strong family and family values in the US and the way the oh, you know, the state basically has well, it's taken be, oh, over yeah. in terms of... Uh,
0: it's being demolished in, in a, an acceptable discourse nowadays. The family is like, you know, the last thing that has to be broken to, to truly liberate And
1: people. where that's coming from the West and come from the US, but also some places in Europe. But where's it coming from? Is it coming from government, ultimately? Obviously, it's coming through all sorts of different groups and organizations and civic groups, but who's enabling those people? Are they organic? Are they rising up organically in society? Maybe they are, but is the government promoting them? It seems to be they seem to be getting a lot of the, and the media is certainly they, promoting them
0: they they are the government. look at France so it's sort of a neutral in between it's on the European continent, so it's not American for sure, but it's also in the western orbit in general in historic historically not just in the current context right like there's there's a, a can't, there's a kind of a criticism of the current set of values as promoted in official France and quasi-official so unofficially as well culturally current cultural norms and I've seen a great analysis that shows that these were things that were introduced with the 1968 student slash liberal arts revolution that saw eventually de Gaulle kicked out of power in France and they're referred to as the 1968ers many of them went on to become key political leaders culturally in France not just politically Mm. so we are, in a sense, living at the end of a specific kind of regime with specific sets of values. And I think that's why when Putin arrives on the scene with his slowly building conservative brook slash traditional ideology, it's not even properly articulated, but mm-hmm. this is an attempt to do so. They see it as antagonistic to them, hmm. to the elites anyway. Um, it's It's a kind of... It's a po- Maybe Jordan Peterson would say it's a postmodernist thing. And he probably puts the timeline around the late 60s as well as when this began. But in, if you look up the, the, the 1968ers in France and what they wanted to see introduced, the liberalization of the individual from <clears throat> the oppressive patriarchy, the oppressive um, quote unquote norms on society. Um, okay, so that's official France today. Okay, it was just a one-off, maybe. Well, not really, because it's a recurring issue. The, the, the fact that the president of France thinks it's okay... To promote that. To promote that. Because he is promoting it, by definition. Now, he will, he will probably nitpick with you and say, well, hang on a second, it's just inclusivity. Right. Because the day after that, I went to a church in Nice. Right. And promoted that by virtue of being present there, yeah. right?
1: But one undermines the other, no?
0: Yes, and I mean, con- they're mutually uh, incompatible,
3: really. The contrast is interesting because back on this article that uh, yeah, we're cultural- just reading, they, it says, last month President Putin told journalists that he believes progressive Western ideas are infiltrating Russia, particularly in the area of LGBT rights. I believe that the traditional approach is correct, he commented. Male is male, female is female, mother is mother, and father is father. I sincerely hope that our society has the moral armor to protect well, us yeah. against... The moral armor. Against, but that's <laughs> Yeah, go
0: back
1: to that text. That's interesting like when he talks about in the area of LGBT rights, he specifies what they are. Now, that you could construe that as him, as him being homophobic or whatever, but I don't think that's the case. What he's focusing on specifically is which a lot of, uh, I think, most members of uh, most um, gay people uh, agree, at least, in terms of what I've seen on social media and stuff, there's a lot of uh, members of the gay community basically are against that as well. That idea of uh, male not being male, yeah. female not being fem- female, mother not being mother, and father not being father, and de- redefining and changing the meaning of those words and their roles—that uh, that's got nothing to do with homophobia or or, or being anti-gay or or, or homophobic, right? Um, so it's it's you know it's people could. You can be demonized for for saying that kind of thing, but it's it's very specific. You have to dig down into the details of what's actually happening, and it is anti-humanistic. Basically, it's got to, to do with uh, sexuality. It's got to do with uh, basic human values that apply to everybody, regardless yeah. of their sexuality, but regardless of their 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 creed or their other or sexuality or their or whatever. That that basic human values are being undermined by under cover of like you just said, diversity and inclusivity, right? Yeah. Uh, Things that are values that are good for everybody, that are positive and good and reinforcing for, for everybody. Um, yeah. Because the bottom line is there's some elements within society, within any human society, within the human population, that are kind of deviant. And they should not be given, and they're, they're, almost all, they're always a, a small minority, and they should not be given the, uh, a platform yeah. w- worthy of a majority. <clears throat> they
0: should not have necessarily be punished, especially if they have committed no crimes by law. If you know they get through society by manipulating people, but they never break a crime, so be it. That's the that's that's, that's buyer beware. That's up to other yeah. to the quote unquote normal population to handle that, right? And you can, and that does handle. The, we've gone all the way to this other extreme
1: where giving is them
0: power
1: and criminalizing people who try and who would speak out against yeah. it and say that, for example, calling um, saying that men are not men and that men can. Uh, men or women, basically, are saying that men can men can uh, have periods and can give birth, and that uh, saying that yeah. uh, biological men are actually women and can compete in women's sports and stuff like that. If you try and speak out against that, clearly uh, false. Those so clearly false uh, theses. Then you risk being in some way socially ostracised or censored, or even potentially. Uh, criminalized, that that thought is, becomes a criminal thought. Um, anybody and everybody should stand up against that, right?
0: Yeah. There are parents in, in North America who are legally barred from seeing their children because those children have undergone or wish to undergo gender reassignment. Mm. And that parent, the ostracized one legally, disagreed with them. Mm-hmm. And the court ruled in favor of the other parent, slash, it's. I, I, there's one particular case where it wasn't about favoring one parent, which is an adult, over another. It was actually the argument was made that, that the minor had the legal right, right. to determine what yeah. they would do. Well, it's subversion of a natural that order. That's completely. You're subverting <clears throat> you're, everything. The whole. We all agreed collectively that 18 it varies a little depending on what the issue is, but 18 is a cutoff point. Once they start going in, well, they came to the point where when vaccine mandates came along and parents said, no, we don't want to. Well, they just went in with their media campaigns and said, well, we're just going to go straight to your kids. Mm. We're going to go to their schools. They'll be vaccinated. And then they'll come home. But the first thing you learn about is that they are vaccinated mm. and you have no say in it. Well, there was precedent for it. that. Didn't just come out of the blue. There's this is ongoing drive to separate everyone from everyone else, to break all bonds, to break all values, you know,
1: and, and all sanity and reason as well, because like, because it know. only
0: ends up hurting them.
1: Yeah. And, and suggesting that children, for example, at you know, five or six years old, should be able to make decisions about their their medical treatment on their own, you know, about their about their sexuality and then and then agree to have some kind of medical procedure in order to change their sexuality. I mean, who agrees with that? It's been promoted, but who in the right mind agrees with that? That any child, you're, because if you agree with it, you're agreeing with the premise that child, small children can take serious life-altering uh, decisions, should be allowed to make se- serious life-altering decisions, and that the opinions of their parents are irrelevant in if they conflict with that of the child. When, when has that ever been true in human history? When has that ever been seen in human history? But someone is promoting that. Yeah, someone is promoting that idea, and it's not being pushed back against by government, which would lead you to conclude that. Government is tacitly agreeing with it. Eastern Ukraine. It's freaky as hell. Manipulative media stories. Stick it up there, Scotty. Give me me your blink on that one.
0: BBC article from today. In Eastern Ukraine, war-weary soldiers and civilians await Russia's next move.
1: Not the title, though.
0: Oh, Jesus, by Orla Greer. No. It's a woman. Mm-hmm. There's a photo of a female soldier? Mm-hmm. Presumably, Maria, this is a...
1: Maria is stationed in Ukrainian.
0: Ukraine. Ukrainian Kiev. government Maria
1: is stationed on Ukraine's <coughs> eastern front line. We are standing our ground, she said. Um, what is that meant to do? Tell people to read that on the BBC News website, People in the West.
0: Well, it's meant to obviously in general, get their sympathy because here's a, the well, situation in Ukraine is so desperate that the women are.
1: Right. It also relates to what we we're just talking about. Yeah. You know what I mean? <clears throat> Putting a woman as the face of the military resistance to evil Russia in Ukraine. Right. When it's bullshit. There's probably, you know, 0.001% of the Ukrainian military is made up of women.
0: Actually, the Ukrainian government last month conscripted all women from 18 to 65. Right. They will do their part. But what does that actually
1: mean? Conscripted them in in theory type thing. In the case of some kind of a guerrilla warfare or something like that. But in terms of regular troops, it's not the case. And you don't, why would you put, I mean, that's just a, a, a manipulative appeal to some kind of sympathy in the Western mind that these poor women are the ones that are standing up against evil Putin, the white male patriarchal misogynist supremacist. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that kind of stuff flies under the radar. You know what I mean? that's just why I pointed
0: it out. And then there's the other subtext, which is, well, it's, it's more the less sub, more in your face text, which is that, go back to the headline. Well, so the BBC finally remembers six years later that there's been a civil war going on in Ukraine and reminds, brings British audience back into it with the implication that the war is Russia's fault. It's a civil war in Ukraine. She's probably holding a NATO-issued rifle, or if it's not, it's somehow gotten into her hands thanks to arms supplies via West, the Western world, mm-hmm. not from Russia.
1: Just and scroll down, because the whole article is, is the same. Next picture is, a Ukrainian soldier prepares food in a makeshift kitchen. That's a woman as well. Is it? Yeah. And then keep going. Civilians like Ludmilla Mumot have lived with war since 2014. How long can our suffering continue, she said. So it's all just, you know, fields. It's all about the fields. Forget about the facts. Forget about understanding what's actually going on. Forget about the broad geopolitical context. Just do the fields thing. So, yeah, that's what the BBC and obviously Western governments want everybody to how, that's how they want them to respond that's the way they want them to respond they want to respond they want, they want you and the population to respond in a very particular way to what's going on in the world and unfortunately it's it's in a way that is almost entirely devoid of actual facts and the truth about any given situation so that's why we're here
0: yeah last week um Speaking, speaking about gas LNG supplies to Europe hit all time high yeah that's mainly coming from the united states of course which is <laughs> why not The going is good uh well, they getting a great price in europe that's why they want sanctions that's why they want to cut russia's gas off yeah
1: maybe they don't need to get sanctions maybe the idea is that they can they can hype the whole if ukraine thing the prices thing,
0: are driving up just with the media hype
1: drive the price up so that it's more it's more econ- well it's more possible or plausible that uh, America's higher priced LNG will be purchased because it's around the same price at, at, as because you've driven up the price, price of Russian gas. Then people will be more amenable to buying American LNG, which is usually more expensive, but not any more. But also, uh, cutting off Russian, cutting off Russian gas supplies in the absence of, or, or reducing, or getting European countries to stop taking delivery of Russian gas supplies, at least some in the absence of any sanctions, just through hystericization and keeping the, the, the whole thing simmering and boiling along and media reports talking about Russia, evil Russia going to invade. Every time I say evil Russia, you should play the uh, thingy. Uh, <laughs> uh, get, you know, that you can, they can do a lot. They can go a long way to getting the benefits of the sanctions they want to impose on Russia without actually having to impose them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Here's another headline. Um, Biden is... <clears throat> from last week as well. Biden administration issues more gas and oil drilling permits than Trump. Do you remember what about COP26? COP26, go back a little earlier. There was a huge spat during his campaign in 2020 when he was being grilled by journalists playing to the right actually to the conservative base in America, the you know people who drill oil for example and in They're connected to those communities where Biden was being called out on his um, campaigning promise that not only would there not be more gas and oil drilling permits issued by his government, Mm -hmm. but that they would basically go to zero. Yeah, he would campaign, he got the radical left, he got the kind of Bernie supporter. I don't know even more radical than those, mm-hmm. on his side on, during the campaign by promising to go totally to the wall against all oil and gas. Yeah. The actual reality is the US has never pumped as much oil and gas yeah. from its own seas and soil in its history. And it's doing it because Russia is trying to keep right. Europe on side. Well, it's, maybe it's simpler than that. They're just doing it to get rich as prices are driven up by the hysteria they create mm-hmm. in Europe. Fact and fiction. What about that? Interesting. Is look, this this isn't playing to our emotions now? Is it, it actually is. called Miami?
1: That's actually a Russian iguana. Uh,
0: uh,
2: uh, no, it's uh, a
1: Ukrainian <laughs> it's a Ukrainian iguana. He was on the front lines uh, just a few days ago until he was shot by a Russian sniper. Crazy. No.
0: This is And the sniper reached all the way across the Atlantic.
1: It's a
3: female iguana. Of it's course. a female
1: iguana, of course. Yeah, oh, you can tell by the yellow underneath her. Um, uh, it's um, yeah. It's just it's. I was just wanted to make a, a point about the weather. It is pretty cold around the world. There's right now most of the US, most of the landmass, Canada obviously as well, but most of the landmass of the US is, is in, is at round freezing, right, including during the day, right down to. Texas Gulf coast. Gulf coast to Texas, Red Cross. The only a few few little areas of um, uh, Los Angeles and right on the on the east, on the west coast there, you know, that are are you know in half decent temperatures. But there's a cold snap. It's only going to last few days. It only ever does. But it's just this arctic air yeah. being pulled in. It's to do with the jet stream. Yeah. Uh, Florida completely for the next couple of days this weekend, basically Florida, all of Florida, night and day, around zero in different places, maybe a bit below zero, but around zero one two degrees. <clears throat> the whole the whole uh, the whole peninsula, peninsula of, of Florida. Um, it happens now and again. Not that often, but it happens now and again. And of course, it's, it can be a problem for, it can, if crops, because apparently Florida during the wintertime produces 50% of different vegetables and fruits and stuff for the entire US. California. Because of its climate. Yeah. warm. California being that would yeah. be the other, other one primarily. But um. So, but, Canada
0: that, is having one of its coldest winters since yeah, the 1950s. Yeah,
1: and of course there's a storm. Just yesterday hit the east coast from basically the northeastern states right down to uh, uh, the Carolinas. Um, cold, freezing temperatures and a lot of snow. Um, but it also... I mean, you can look at these things and look at any of these weather events because they'll change. It'll be the last couple of days and then it'll go back up. Um, but... You need to look, you can look at any of them and say, well, that happened a few years ago or 10 years ago, whatever, and you can dismiss it, you know, but you need to look at it in the global picture, you know, to get any sense of a, to have any chance of getting a read on whether or not things are changing in terms of, if it's a particularly cold winter, it has to be, you have to look at it globally, you know, in the different, and not just Northern hemisphere, Southern hemisphere. extremely hot in Australia over the past couple of weeks, broke some records in Northwestern, Northwestern Australia. But it's also very cold in the northern hemisphere, definitely this this winter. You know, we had Athens completely dumped. Uh, most of Greece basically dumped with a, a crap load
0: of snow. Istanbul, Amman, Jordan, Blizzard. In Jordan. Um, Israel, Syria. Yes, yeah. massive problems in Syria. Like right. They basically, the infrastructure's tanked, of course, from right. the war and the sanctions. Um, didn't we see somewhere that the sea, the Aegean Sea started to freeze? Yeah, there was some sea ice in the, in Greece, yeah.
1: <clears throat> which That's is, I'm cold. not sure it ever happened before. I think it was a first, basically. So, so much for global warming and COP26. Of course, we just mentioned COP26, and it's all about removing fossil fuels. And Biden is uh, the Biden administration is pumping out more uh, fossil fuels than ever before. So, you know, there's a lot of lies, a lot yeah. of distortions. Sometimes it's pretty much the opposite of what they say it is. It's, uh, the truth is 180 degrees from, from what they claim it is. So, um, people just need to use their, use their heads these days. I mean, the only thing you have to fall back on is your common sense uh along with a healthy skepticism of government if you can start like i said i think at the beginning of the show uh with the premise that what comes out of most politicians mouths especially in the west these days is false start from there and then look at the situation and, and you, you'll get a better read on what's actually going on than if you go with the standard oh they must be telling the truth you know just flip it i've said that a long time ago as well but uh It's still true. It just got worse, actually. It's more (laughs) true than it ever was, I think, these days. And it'll probably get even more true uh, as time goes on. We really can't just take it as the truth. Without even doing your research, just
0: flip it. That's what's going on. So do you think Russia's going to do something militarily? I was thinking, you know this... It's quite possible. (laughs) That sounds like...
1: It sounds to me like... Now,
0: these are Russians. So they got us all looking at Ukraine. Yes. So... What if they come around the back and they do something off Ireland? Yeah. And I think the Irish government are on to them. <laughs> the Irish government expressed its concern last week over Russian, man- Russian naval maneuvers, naval. naval exercises to take place. That, it's actually a hell of a, it's a game. Like they're going to do exercises off the coast of Ireland in the Atlantic, mm. in the Barents Sea, in the Mediterranean, in the Indian Ocean simultaneously. Mm. Uh, flexing muscles. Obviously. I think there are Irish
1: politicians complaining that they don't have the kind of primary radar necessary to, to observe those missiles. Like, "Oh, but Jesus. <laughs> but Jesus, we don't even have the, the, the radar to look at them missiles. How are we
0: meant to know what's going on? They could be firing anything up there. 70 years of the Cold War plus this. Yeah. And this is the first time they've actually gone... So we know, don't have any submarines either. How do we what do? We do? <laughs> um, it actually... The, the, the extent of the, spirit, the hysteria spread out and it's fishermen off the west coast of Ireland yeah. decided an
1: armada they to went send an armada out
0: to, nose <laughs> to, to confront nose the Russian flotilla yeah. as it
1: arrived and throw fish at them.
0: I laughed at it but they actually had an effect. The Russian government today said
1: alright we'll stand down just keep your keep your, <laughs> they're do keep their, your drunk
0: Irish fishermen away from us. They're going to do their naval exercise but outside a bit further away,
1: of a further away. Of their exclusive economic zone, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's hard for a little country like Ireland. You know, it doesn't have much clout and doesn't have much military or navy. It doesn't have any navy. It's got a few fishing boats. Well, there's no stuff.
0: air defence. So, you know, the obvious solution is. Yeah. Obviously, Ireland just needs to buy. So, it has Triumph S-400s have a protection zone of 400 kilometres. Ireland's that's enough. about 450 kilometres well, north to south. So, they just got two or most three. If they bought three Russian S-400 Triumph systems, yeah. they get to fend from space, the air, and under the water. Yeah. Problem solved. No, but defend Ireland's against, defenseless. Defend, defend against what, though? Anything. The Brits. Anyone. The Brits. English. Martians.
1: Even the Russians. Even the Russians. But the Russians wouldn't let them use it against the Russians. Let's say you can have these as long as you only shoot them at the British Americans. Well, at, that's the at question. The English that's or the what,
0: that was implied by uh, the military industrial complex people in Washington. You don't, telling Indian Pakistan you don't want to buy that stuff because they can remotely. But apparently that's mm. not true. Apparently you can actually get control of your own systems. So they would work against the Russians. Right. I think. Hmm. Who knows, though? Maybe the Russians, they're Russians after all.
1: I think the Russians should, in those military exercises, what they're actually going to do. You you asked me what I thought the Russians were going to do. Yeah. In those naval exercises off the coast of Ireland, uh, they're actually going to stage an invasion uh, of Ireland. Uh, uh, They're going to conquer Ireland and use it as other countries in times of yore uh, to con- stage a conquest of of England, I mean the the French in uh, hundreds of years ago. The French and the Spanish both tried to do that. Tried to wanted to use Ireland as a backdoor into England to conquer England. And I think the Russians have been reading up on that history. And think <laughs> that now the time is right to do what finally get Charlie back on the throne. Exactly to do what the French and the Spanish could, didn't were unable to do all those years ago. The man who it.
0: should our king have been. Exactly.
1: And then once they once they conquer England they'll put Charles I back on the throne and uh, Charles the Third. Well whoever they can dig up put them, <laughs> put, put some put, put the Pope on the throne in England.
0: <laughs> Sadly the, it would no longer be a Stuart, it would be it would be the Duke of something in Bavaria. He's, no. he's the direct descendant, descendant of true descendant of is he? the the Kingdom of England, Scotland, and Ireland. Yeah, because the Stuarts the ten- Stuarts died out. Died because out, yeah, yeah. after Charles the Third, there was only his brother hmm. Henry, and he died as a cardinal of Rome. Well, forget about the Rome. Just
1: put Putin on the throne of England.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm for that. All right, I'm for well, that. I- they, you know, we got to call their bluff because they keep saying to anyone who says anything remotely what we said, "You're Putin agents." Yeah, yeah. I'm like, bring the Russians here. Mm. Where have they been? I mean, seriously, if they were if they were really guilty of a quarter of the things the West accuses them of, all those mass protest movements we've seen in the last decade in the West, the Russians would be all over them, using them to shoehorn in governments to their liking. Kiev right? But they don't. Yeah. The bastards. I want them to start <clears throat> yeah. acting like the Russians they're accused of being. Yeah, yeah. They
1: have nothing to lose at this point, really, would they? Well, they might have something to lose, but who knows? Anyway, um, I think that's all the news that's fit to
0: fit to rant about,
1: talk smack about. Uh, so far, um, <laughs> it was the same old topics, but um, that—that's the topics that are the the talking points. I mean, um, there's obviously other stuff going on here and there, but
0: oh yeah, but well, the Biden thing at Pittsburgh,
1: yeah, the collapsing
0: bridge—that's symbolic. He goes to Pittsburgh yesterday to give a speech about America's awesome new infrastructure that he, and not Trump, he is going to bring about this year. Mm. And a freaking bridge two miles from where he was going to give his talk collapses like four or five hours before he arrives. Yeah, Forcing him to go and give a statement at the collapsed bridge about how this is evidence of me. (laughs) I'm going to come in and build it all back. Yeah, yeah. You
1: see, this has provided this is me a perfect crazy. opportunity
0: to build back better. It's like,
1: yeah. Uh yeah, no I one died.
0: Way. It was 13 people
1: were injured. It's bizarre, though. It's almost symbolic. Like it, it's crazy. If you, if you were a, a kind of even a superstitious person, you'd take it as symbolic, you know, as, a, as an omen, you know. Uh, good yeah. omen or a bad omen? I'm not sure. An omen for sure. Anyway, uh, yeah. So I think we'll leave it there for this week, folks. Um, thanks for watching, listening, chatting. Uh, if you haven't subscribed, please subscribe. Um, we hope you enjoyed it. Uh, thanks for the comments as well. Yeah, We'll be back next week with another show. Um, so until then, stay safe and watch out for stuff.
0: See you next time. Bye.
2: Can't stop the signal now.